Hello, listeners, and welcome to Closing Time, the podcast that provides an inside look at the world of healthcare startups and venture capital. I'm Hallie Tecco. And I'm Michael Esquivel. Each episode, we get the privilege of meeting entrepreneurs at the forefront of healthcare innovation. You get to eavesdrop on pitches that are reshaping healthcare from founders daring to think differently. So pull up a chair and join us as we journey into the future of healthcare, one pitch at a time. Hello, listeners. Today, we're talking to my very good friend, Yuna Kim, co-founder and CEO of Arene. Arene's mission is to solve the problem of medication mismanagement across the healthcare continuum. Founded by industry veterans, Arene uses data science and clinical expertise to develop evidence-based programs that optimize therapy, reduce errors, and most importantly, improve outcomes. Yuna, we are so happy to have you with us here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, why don't we start by asking what inspired you to start Arene? Great question. So Arene's focus and mission is to ensure safe and effective medication therapy. And we do this through our medication intelligence platform that can take in all available data from our enterprise customers and turn it into actionable recommendations around who needs a medication change and what should that right drug and dose be. So to go back to why I started the company is um, basically based on patient experience and what I've seen. I'm a pharmacist, health economist by background, and just to share a story of one of our first patients. So um, this individual was around 50. He had heart failure and COPD, and he was going in and out of the hospital. Uh, we discovered through the data that he was taking two or three doses of six different heart failure medications. And this combination could have led to renal failure and cardiac arrest. So he was, we alerted, our system alerted these dangerous um, multiple medications right away. It turned out that he couldn't read his pill bottles and he kept going in and out of the hospital. So every time he would come home, he'd come home with a new set of medications that he started taking. And he thought he was being a good patient, taking all of his medications 100% adherent. So luckily we found this, but this really could have led to a fatality. So this illustrated to me so many broken parts of our healthcare system. There's the data silos where one doctor doesn't know what another doctor is prescribing. There's just the literacy barrier of this um, individual not being able to read his pill bottles. Um, there's a lack of time that um, providers experience. They're just trying to get um, patients in and out of the hospital, and nobody had the time to explain his medications thoroughly to him. And the crux of the reason why I started Arene is because this is the most solvable problem. We just need to get the medications right, and we can make so many people healthier. We can save lives. And at this point in our um, healthcare brokenness, um, you can say that prescription drugs are actually killing us in large numbers, and it's the third leading cause of death next to heart disease and cancer. Wow. Yuna, 
I don't know how many people can say they are both a pharmacist and an economist. Like, what a cool combo. You are like the perfect person to start this company. That's so neat. Talk to us a little bit about um, who is your main stakeholder? Who is the organization that you're selling to that is kind of getting this program up and running? And then the secondary stakeholders and the users of the platform. Sure, sure. So our primary paying customers are the health plans and also the risk-bearing providers, because you can imagine that these interventions can keep patients out of the hospital, reduce complications, and ultimately reduce cost of care. So it's whoever bears that financial risk. The users of our platform um, include the clinicians, uh, mostly pharmacists and nurses, Uh, We've got care managers, health coaches, medical assistants, also users of our platform. We generate recommendations automatically from our platform for both the patient to receive and patient-facing and friendly educational plans, and also prescribers to receive when we um, there is a needed medication change that we are recommending. How do you get all the stakeholders like? on the platform that's you know you have to get make sure that you're working with so the health plan all of the physicians or clinicians that Mm -hmm. they cover and then all of their patients that's yeah so the primary right the primary users of our platform are those clinicians who are part of like that population health care team um um, or affiliates of that health plan we also have our own clinical care team if our clients need us to supplement. So we also run our own, we have our own interdisciplinary care team um, to provide direct member and provider outreach if and when needed. But majority are our health plans like population health, care coordination type of teams that are users of our platform. And when we generate a prescriber-facing recommendation, that can be sent electronically from our platform um, either via fax, secure email, or directly into EHRs. I mean, you know, taking a big step back, uh, you know, as I think about going to my local pharmacy and I pick up my prescriptions, like, what's going on today? Is someone not monitoring that, hey, Michael shouldn't be taking this particular prescription with that particular prescription or in this dosage level? Like, what checks and balances? I guess I've naively just assumed when I go to Walgreens or CVS or the local Safeway Pharmacy here in the Bay Area, like, that that someone's, some master, you know, invisible hand is is watching over me on that. But it sounds like maybe not. Yeah, I mean, great question. So there are some checks and balances at the pharmacy, but they are reviewing these interactions or other things without the full context of your medical record. They don't have data on your diagnoses. They only see the prescriptions that you are picking up from a Walgreens, as an example. Um, So from that particular pharmacy chain. Um, In addition, they're also super busy and their main focus is dispensing medications. So they may miss something from a clinical perspective. And in fact, there was a consumer report, a survey that was done that found that 50% of pharmacies actually missed a near-fatal interaction. Um, And that's really, again, because of their focus and their primary KPIs are around how many medications can they dispense on an hourly basis. And then you couple that with the fact that pharmacies are now so busy and overburdened they're giving out COVID vaccines. They, um, we have a shortage. Um, So lots of compounding factors as well. 
Yeah, it seems to be a common theme that Hallie and I have encountered here in, in, in these various discussions with great yeah. founders, this clinician burnout factor, yeah. right? Seems to seems to play a part here. Um, so what about like, uh, you know, so just the Arene platform in being able to access the EHR and say, oh, I see Michael's taking CoQ10 and zinc, and this particular medication is, is uh, you know, is negated its effectiveness. Is, is that an element too? Because, you know, I, I learn more from time to time from Dr. Google and talking to my great founders who are physicians about, oh, you shouldn't be taking that and that. I'm like, Christ, nobody told me, right. you know, and so... So is, is the platform able to pick up, you know, interactions of that sort as well? Yes. So the platform looks at all the medication-related problems that could be occurring. So this could be those drug interaction type of issues. It could be drug disease interactions. It could be you're experiencing unnecessary side effects. Um, it's maybe the wrong drug choice. Maybe it's the wrong drug dose. Um, or maybe it's not, you know, you can get a better lower cost option that you're not aware of. So it's looking at... Um, the plethora of different medication-related problems that could be occurring, um, but it is choosing the right recommendations based on the full context of which medications have you tried and failed in the past, what are your current uh, concurrent diagnoses and other social behavioral clinical risk factors. And just on that community pharmacy point, um, community pharmacists, when equipped with a platform like Arene's, platform, they can actually perform these interventions at the point of care in the pharmacies as well. And we are doing that with some of our health plans, where the main users of our platform are those community pharmacists. And they are doing these interventions when patients come and pick up their medications. So there was a story in Stat News that I, I read recently. Um, the story itself was about the prior auth changes in New Jersey and um, how how that's changing. Uh, but to illustrate the problem, they talked about a patient who was denied access to her daily asthma medication that she had been on since childhood. I have asthma, I'm on asthma medication. So the story really stuck with me, but the health plan made her try a different, cheaper generic version and said, you can't go on your old medication until you go on this cheaper one and demonstrate that it's unsuccessful before you can get back on the tried and true version. Well, what happened was she ended up hospitalized for 49 days uh, wow. for life-threatening breathing problems, costing the insurance company way more and her own <laughs> health. I mean, that's an insane amount of time in a, in a hospital um, because they are trying to save costs. And we see this over and over again. How are you, because your tool can enable them to do more of that, right? Like they can just focus on pushing people to cheaper medications. How are you that is protecting not patients? Right. Great question. Um, cost is not our primary objective. Our primary objective is appropriate therapy to in, in light of the full patient picture. So when we recommend a lower cost option, um, cause there are a lot of cost optimization, real time benefit solutions. We are not one of those. Um, those are geared at reducing prescription drug costs. Um, we are geared at total cost of care picture, keeping patients healthier and out of the hospital, not in the hospital, um, and not causing complications. And the way that we are different is that when we look at that picture, 
Again, we take into account the full clinical history. How long has this patient had asthma for? Are they being effectively controlled on this inhaler? Um, can they afford it? It would be a different question. If she can't afford this inhaler at all, then she would need to switch to a lower cost option um, to stay in control. And is she on the right other medications like long-term controller inhalers? Um, so that is what makes us different than like a cost optimization tool is that we are looking at that full patient picture and um, determining which medications that patients can get access to will provide um, the best health for that patient. So if a payer came to you and said, we want to reduce the cost of medication for our patient population, that's our only goal, you would say, sorry, we're not the right partner. We would say we would only do so when um, it is a clinically appropriate recommendation, and we would want to see the medical claims data as well as the pharmacy claims data so we can make those determinations appropriately. I mean, you know, when you when you think about it, though, I mean, this has got to be a multi-hundred billion dollar problem, right? When you think about medic, medic you know, dispensing of incorrect medication or just, you know, mismanagement. So in many ways, this platform is going to save our system. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's, right. it's a multi-hundred billion dollar <laughs> yeah. problem. I'll give you the number. And this was a study um, published by Scripps. It's a $530 billion problem. And that's the amount of money we spend on prescription drugs as a nation every year. So we spend $530 billion on prescription drugs and that much, if not more, on the problems that they cause. So, Haley, when you ask about, you know, reducing prescription drug costs, that's not the where we can save the most money. We can save the most money on just patients being on the wrong drugs, period, um, just like that case study that I shared earlier. And does this come down to the physician's they're not doing their job well. I'm trying to understand like how this arises, but we have, we yeah. have overuse, underuse, and then misuse, right? That's and right. at the end of the day, it's the clinician that's writing the script. What's, what's going wrong there that they're mismanaging this whole process? So they, they did do a study and they found that over 50% of the time, physicians are not reviewing medications. And that that is, like, physicians are not medication experts, but in fact, no human is, because they can't keep up with all the medications and then correlate in their mind, this patient's on this medication, but has these nine others and has these 10 other conditions. And that's why we need the help of technology and a platform like Arenes, because it could put together all this information and do what the human brain can't do and determine based on all these multifactorial um, conditions, what's the best medication and get it right each and every time. Because a human, even if you are a medication expert, simply can't do that. But I think the core of the problem is like what we saw in that patient case study too, that Doctors also are not given the time to do that. People come in um, for a certain symptom, they get diagnosed for that symptom and treated, and then their time is up and they have to move on to the next patient. Um, neither do they see all the other medications other doctors are prescribing. So it's, it's a multi-layered problem. And are you somehow embedding yourself in the EMR so that they're able to see this info right as they're entering the patient information? 
Yeah, we are at the point of care with some of our risk-bearing providers where we're integrated into the EHR. With some of our payer customers that are not on a common EHR, we are not, but we still see over 50% of the time providers are recommend or are implementing our recommendations. And when we went, when we first started, we actually went on the ground to one of these clinics who was a high volume clinic. And we said, have you seen some of our recommendations being faxed over to you the old fashioned way? And, um, what did you think when you saw these recommendations? And they, they actually said, this has been tremendously helpful for us. This is removing work off of our plates. We had to ask, we have to ask all of our patients to brown bag their medications because we simply cannot keep track of everything that they are taking. Neither do we see it in the data. And you're giving us that medication list. You're telling us exactly what to do with our medications. This is helping us so much. And um, we want to we want to get the medications right, but often uh, we don't have the right information to do so. And it's not costing them anything to use the tool. Someone else is, no. is paying for yes. it. So that's, that's great. Right. It's helping them do their mm-hmm. job better without mm-hmm. adding cost um, to the already low margin provider business. That's right. So, so challenging. Uh, well, Yuna, you're hitting on obviously one of the hottest topics in venture today and in our ecosystem, AI. And mm-hmm. as I think about, <laughs> yeah, that's right, Allie, as I think about you know, you're uh, identifying all these multifactorial considerations. You're thinking about the human human brain and, and our, our, our pattern recognition and processing power between our ears vis-a-vis what all of the exciting advancements in AI have shown. You know, would love to hear a little bit of how you guys are integrating AI into the Irene platform, sure. how you're thinking about it. Yeah. You know, there's obviously a lot of a lot of concern and skepticism around privacy and, and what have you with AI. But mm-hmm. uh, would love to hear a little bit about how you all are positioning it, thinking about it and obviously integrating it into the platform. Yeah. Great question. So we've um, used AI since the beginning days. And um, the way we do so is we use AI in a couple different ways. One is we use machine learning models to identify who needs that medication change. And the reason why we use machine learning models so we can take into account hundreds of data features from overutilization of care, underutilization of care, um, uh, behaviors, uh, risk factors, all of those elements go into our models and it allows us to have predictive models so we can proactively intervene, even when, Haley, we are not at the point of care. (laughs) And then the um, other way in which we use AI um, is now we're using large language models to analyze voice data so we can understand patient sentiment. um, And um, we can also bring in new data elements um, that will power our models. So we understand that there are some risks with AI, um, like with these large language models, there could be hallucinations and other things. So we're quite careful with it. We're not using AI to like these large language models to automatically generate recommendations, but more give us insights to feed into our recommendation models. And in general, um, we have an AI committee here in-house. We test our models for unintentional biases. Um, and we have all the proper practices in place. Can you tell us about your growth so far and some of the key milestones that you've hit? 
Great question. So we just released a press release um, just the other day, and we've had this past year 100% revenue growth. We've um, signed, you know, nine new logos this past year. Uh, we're working with four of the largest national plans. We're in the Blues Network. So because we are addressing such a deep pain point for our customers, we are expanding quickly. How many employees? We have about 140 employees today, and we're adding 50 more this year. Wow. I mean, you're right, you 100% growth. I love it. That's yeah. Badass. In 2023, that's uh, that's unique for sure. No, I am very grateful. I never <laughs> take these things for granted. I could see the macroeconomics yes, Exactly. As an economist, you yes. know. <laughs> what the so heck I'm, is happening? I'm very grateful for the position that we're wow. in. Wow. So listeners, she's... Hiring this year. That's right. Take note. Well, take note. Get on the rocket ship. Yeah. And, you know, let's not forget you've added some amazing people to your board, to your advisory uh, group. Uh, I have the ple pleasure and privilege of, of, of working with Yuna and uh, right. just some great additions to the team there, too. So it's uh, it's like the perfect storm coming together. But, but coming back to growth for just a quick second, you know, as you think about that, so how are we going to sustain this? I mean, this year-over-year uh, -year performance, the, the, it's obvious that the product market fit is beyond ideal. Uh, you know, how do you think about continuing to grow upon this incredible growth trajectory, and how do we sustain it going forward? Yeah, so I think in the near term, we can continue this growth trajectory. We've got, you know, 30 health plan customers and plenty of room to expand, um, within these health plans that we have. So our, our strategy, like many other startups, has been land and expand uh, within these large enterprise organizations. In terms of future growth, we have many more verticals planned for Ring. One is with um, customers like health systems. Uh, they also need to reduce their 30-day readmission rates. They also need to address cost of care because many of them are taking on risk, like through ACO models. Um, and, of course, with anything related to hospitalizations, medications are core to reducing hospitalizations and readmissions. And then the other area is what I call working with value-based care channel partners. So if you take any condition, they, you need to optimize the medication aspects to get to the clinical goals. So um, we've been approached by home health companies, care management companies, virtual care companies. They have everything else, but they're missing the medication aspects, which are extremely nuanced. So there is an opportunity to feather in our medication intelligence into these other partners. And then lastly, um, there's um, biopharma as well, where we can ensure their new drug is being used appropriately in the real world, as well as feedback those data insights on who's doing well on therapy, what the outcomes look like, and that real world performance back to biopharma companies. Yeah, that last channel is probably going to be pretty exciting, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, as, as, as pressure continues to mount on the pharma industry and you know, as we're hearing about all the talk in Congress and what have you, this has got to be a really, really compelling channel. Yeah. What we want to do <clears throat> is really strictly remain focused on the outcome. So our goal is to stay an outcomes-focused company. So we can align these entities around the optimal outcomes for any medication therapy. It's amazing. You want to tell us a little bit, Yuna, about your um, your fundraising 
uh, path to this point and yeah. how you're thinking so about it going forward? I can say that the early days, it was so tough to raise even a $25,000 check. Oh I must have talked to, <laughs> I, I talked to over like a hundred <laughs> investors in the day. And when I was raising in like 2018, um, everyone was focused on dispensing delivery medication adherence solutions. And I was yeah. focused much further oh upstream. Gosh. Are these even the right medications to dispense and deliver and take on a regular basis in the first place? And that concept was new. So it was, uh, it was a trek to get to, uh, those first checks. Well, Rock Health was an early investor, right? That's right. So those who understood Rock Health, I give give credit to Rock because they understood the core of the problem I was trying to solve. And they saw that while talking to, right, their ecosystem, um, in healthcare. So that, that really helped. Um, but now we're about, 40 million, um, close to 40 million in equity financing. Um, congrats, today. congrats. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Go ahead. I'm just something I'm thinking of is you were saying everybody working on medication adherence, because I think if I were to see another like smart pill bottle, I would probably right. just throw it <laughs> out the window. There's so many of them. Cause you know, I think the biggest problem with medication adherence is the cost. I imagine most people walk away. You're the pharmacist, so tell us, but most people walk away and don't take their drugs because they can't afford them. That is one of the core issues uh, when there are, you know, now percentage co-pays involved with uh, medications. No longer like a lot of these flat fees are gone and now you have to pay like, you know, 10%, 20% of the the drug costs. So that, that is a problem. And that's, Haley, we would come in and recommend a lower cost option when it's simply not accessible or affordable for for a member. And, and you know, is that is that a function of you know a partnership with a good RX type, or how, how do you uh, you know obviously generics, and I understand that whole generics versus labeled uh, uh, pricing disparity, but but how do you uh, how do you make that recommendation just just for our listeners to get a feel there? Right. So. It's plan specific. So during the implementation um, phase, when we work with health plans, we understand their formulary, their coverage. Um, if they offer like, you know, one copay for 90 days versus three for 330 day supply. Uh, we also understand if they have any like prescription limits on board. Um, and we actually program these into our software solution. And it's not just the formulary based recommendations, but also recommendations around the plan's transportation program or how to get connected to a new PCP. Um, so we do the, everything even around the medications to ensure that members get access to their medications. Phenomenal. Well, Yuna, this is so cool. Thank you so much for coming and sharing more about Irene. We wish you all the luck. Not that you need it. Um, Thank you. I do. We, we all need can... it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we wish you to continue to go onward and upward. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you for having me. And that's closing time for today. A huge thanks to our partners at Fenwick for underwriting this show. Recording, editing, and audio mixing by Kyle Moore. Thanks to our guests and to you, our listeners, for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. And check out our website, closingtimepodcast.com, for more exclusive content. Until next time, this is Hallie Teco and Michael Esquivel for Closing Time. 